From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott. With the Democratic debates in Atlanta and news of impeachment hearings out of D.C., you may have missed former President Barack Obama's visit to Georgia last week. He gave a keynote address on Wednesday at the Greenbuild International Conference and Expo in Atlanta. The global green materials market is projected to hit $387 billion by 2023. To get a better sense of the conversation surrounding environmental initiatives and how green building plays into that, GPB's Leah Fleming sat down with Peter Dykstra. He's an environmental reporter and an editor at Environmental Health News and Daily Climate. She also spoke with Sean Aurora. He's director of the Candida Building for Innovative Sustainable Design. The Candida building isn't just eco-friendly. It's designed as a living building. Leah started the conversation by asking Sean what that means exactly. So living buildings, the idea behind a living building is that we live in a resource-constrained world. We have a world where the resources are rapidly depleting. And green buildings have done a great job with decreasing that level of depletion. But is that good enough? In a world where, again, we're running out of stuff, what does it mean to be a building that gives back more? And that's the fundamental idea of a living building, a building that gives back more to the environment than it takes. So living buildings have to be net water positive. we got to be net energy positive. During the construction process of the building, we have diverted more waste from the landfill than we've sent to the landfill. Thereby, we're regenerative and net positive in the construction process. And here's perhaps one of the most important things that folks really connect with. We spend 90% of our time indoors. Put, put another way, that's nine out of every 10 breaths we take is indoors. So what does it mean for the users, the occupants? So living buildings take that into account as well and say, how can we give back more to people than we take? Now, you say it's important that the building actually tell the story of, of being green. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, when you walk into the Candida building, you're going to immediately notice that it's different. You're going to notice that it's made predominantly out of wood. So for a commercial building, it's, it's an education building. But you know what I mean? It's, it's not a residential building to be made mostly out of wood. That strikes you. It's, you're struck by the fact that there's so much natural light that comes in. You can actually see the woods outside. You're going to notice a lot of those things. So the building is talking to you. It's telling you its story, and it's inviting you to learn more. Mm -hmm. So President Trump has taken uh, a different view on the environment. He has uh, announced in the summer of 2017 that he uh, intended to withdraw the United States from the Paris Agreement. And I'm wondering, uh, Peter, since President Trump took office, he's gotten a lot of flack for his approach to the environment. And I'm wondering how have his strategies clashed with environmentalists? Uh, in just about every way imaginable. Um, in, in past administrations that were at odds with um, um, the political environmental movement, uh, there at least was lip service there uh, about protecting the environment. The lip surface is almost completely gone, and certainly any uh, any shred of environmental concern is gone. The EPA is being run by a former coal lobbyist. The uh, Interior Department is being run by a former oil lobbyist. That says uh, that says about all you need to know. Mm. 
So I want to talk a little bit more about green building. Uh, Sean, construction of a new building can often disturb the environment, and um, hence the reason for this green building push. What considerations were taken when choosing the location for the Candida building? One of the requirements of the Living Building Challenge is that you pick a place uh, that does minimal disruption. So the place where the Candida building is prior to it being the Candida building was a parking lot. So what we've done is actually made that place better for the environment by building a building on it, especially considering that um, you know, when, a, when rain falls on a parking lot, it just wants to go away. Mm-hmm. And all of the pollution that's on that parking lot goes away. And where it typically goes is, in, in Atlanta is uh, in the neighborhoods that would rather not have that runoff. The Candida building, not only did we replace that parking lot with a building, but that building manages its water on site. So we're not having downstream impacts uh, that are essentially, it's an equity issue. You know, our, our water is managed on our site, so it doesn't become a problem for our neighbors downstream. Uh, and you got very creative with uh, sourcing eco-friendly building materials, didn't you, in this building? Yeah, the the um, another requirement is on the material side, and quite frankly, if you talk to everybody in the design build team on what has been the most challenging aspect of the living building challenge, I think everybody would say materials um, because, A, we don't think about what goes into our materials and how it impacts our health and the health of the people who make the material somewhere really far away. So one of the requirements is that we need to have the healthiest material possible. And the way you get there is you vet the ingredients of almost everything that goes into a building. And we don't have a national standard for vetting the material, so you got to go out there and ask, what are the ingredients of this material? Most companies have never been asked that. So that's one thing. Another thing is we use an immense amount of salvaged material in the building. And that's another place where the story of the building really comes through because people have an attachment to things they can touch. They don't necessarily see the health benefit of clean air in the building. But when I tell folks or when, when, I, when people are coming through the building and say, hey, I heard you guys reused wood from Georgia Tech Tower. So it's the most iconic building on campus. It's the oldest building on campus. And then I point to the stair treads and say, that used to be wood in Georgia Tech Tower. So what I say is the Candida building has examples where we can use Georgia labor, where we can use Georgia materials. 50% of all materials that go into the Candida building were sourced within a thousand kilometers or less of the Candida building. So for people that are, you know, consumers that are looking to have more eco-friendly homes, what are some of the steps that they can take? The first step on having an eco-friendly home Mm -hmm. is the same step no matter where you are. Start with efficiency, period. That helps your pocketbook, it helps your comfort, and it lowers your utility bill. And the quickest way and easiest way that we have made efficiency uh, accessible is quite frankly lighting. You know, good luck finding an incandescent light bulb at a store. Ten <laughs> years ago, good luck finding an LED light bulb, or rather, affording 
LED light bulb at the store. <laughs> so start with efficiency. These are little things that really help save energy and make your home more comfortable for you and your family. Uh, so but, it doesn't necessarily have to look like the Candida building absolutely, right off the bat. Absolutely not. In fact, I, I say that the Candida building is like walking into a restaurant saying, let me see your menu. And someone hands you the menu and you take a look at the menu and say, I'll take everything. Give me everything. Mm-hmm. Most people don't want everything on the menu. But if you're interested in water, then I got all the water solutions for you in this region. I can really expand your uh, thought process with the Candida building. If you are interested in materials and healthy materials, then we can, we can talk to you about the healthy materials. So whatever it is that you're interested in, the Candida building probably has it. And hopefully when you go through the Candida building, Georgia Tech has been able to elevate your thought process and you're not going to be the same. You're going to enter with one thought process and you're going to leave with another. One green building project that's been up and running for several years in downtown Atlanta, uh, right across from uh, the Tabernacle, uh, the Turner Foundation has uh, owns a parking lot, and that parking lot is shaded by solar panels. So you can park your car and keep it out of the uh, heat, and at the same time, the parking lot itself is generating energy. Oh. Yeah, that's been there for a long time. Really? Yeah. People have probably walked by that solar canopy, and they don't think anything of it, but it's been there for a while. Mm. Yeah. It's innovative, it's easy, and it's a no-brainer. Yeah. I'm speaking with Sean Aurora. He's director of the Candida Building, the new Living Green Building on Georgia Tech's campus. And we are also speaking with Peter Dykstra, an editor at Environmental Health News. Peter, you've been covering the environment for a while. And for some context, when did awareness of the environment really become a larger part of the conversation that we're having in our country? Well, I've been following the environment uh, since way back in the 20th century. And around 1970, uh, there was... um, uh, there was a huge jump in environmental concern. There was a huge jump in political activism overall. Um, the women's uh, rights movement, the gay rights movement, uh, uh, the civil rights movement, of course, um, all came about. Uh, the Vietnam War was uh, turning many people into activists. The environmental movement got its big boost at the same time, and there were several... Um, very uh, regrettably telegenic events happening. The Cuyahoga River in Cleveland uh, was so dirty that it caught fire and burned. Uh, There was a big oil spill off of Santa Barbara, California. There were other events that happened. Uh, Many environmental groups came together at that time uh, and were founded, but also the um, Clean Water Act, Clean Air Act, Endangered Species Act, uh, the creation of the EPA, the creation of uh, NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, all came about, and they all came about during the administration of that great tree hugger, uh, Richard Milhouse Nixon. <laughs> but, you know, when we talk about climate change and the environment today, it just seems like it is so partisan. And I'm wondering, was it always divided along uh, political lines, this conversation about the environment? Let me give you my favorite example. Uh, there's a group called um, the League of Conservation Voters, LCV.org, uh, that puts together a congressional scorecard each year. They grade, they grade um, uh, members of Congress and senators 
uh, on uh, environmental votes and environmental bills taken. Um, back around uh, maybe the 1980s, 1990s, uh, Republicans uh, typically scored around 50 percent. Democrats scored around 70 percent. These days, the Democrats are over 90 percent. The conservatives are under 10 percent, uh, or Republicans under 10 percent, and uh, uh, many score a zero. But my favorite example is from 1980. There was a young congressman from uh, uh, Georgia, a Republican congressman, who got a 50% rating, and a young congressman from Tennessee who got a 35% rating. Uh, The 50% rating was Republican Newt Gingrich. 15 points lower was Democrat Al Gore. Wow. Wow. So the Candida building, it's located in a very urban area. And I'm wondering, are, do you think we're going to see more projects in rural areas like this? Oh, I, cer- I certainly hope so. In many ways, rural areas are even uh, better suited mm-hmm. for what we've done. Rural areas, especially uh, those that don't have a lot of a tree canopy around it. So I'm thinking big farmland in Georgia. You can build a building that's associated with that farm have solar on top of it, huge catchment area for your water. And now uh, you've got all the resources that you need right there. But here's the interesting thing. One thing I'm really, really fascinated by is the state of Georgia's ability to use its agricultural industry to create building product. So think about it. We've got this technology that takes carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere and creates building material. And that technology is called a tree. (laughs) <laughs> and Georgia's the number one state in the country for timber products. So why aren't we creating new high-tech timber products like we have in the Candida building that replace the need for importing steel? Why aren't we looking at our agricultural waste product and thinking, what can we do with agricultural waste to turn that into a building material? So I, I think... What the Candida building shows here in Georgia is Georgia solutions, homegrown Georgia solutions that cut through, I think, some of this political discourse. Because at the end of the day, I think Georgians fundamentally care about the environment. Mm -hmm. Georgians fundamentally care about the economic future of this state. And with green buildings, we have the opportunity to really bring both of those completely in sync. And say, yeah. yeah, Peter, would you agree with that? Has your reporting shown that? Oh, absolutely. Um, there, there's so much common sense out there, and it tends to um, uh, deflect a lot of what real reporting on the environment shows, which is extinction and um, cancer clusters and climate change and coastal cities being uh, inundated by sea level rise. Our, our beat is kind of a depressing one. And the things that Sean is talking about and doing uh, are the antidote to that, uh, not just in, in uh, reporting and receiving environmental news, uh, but in day-to-day real life. It saves money, and in the long run, through health benefits, it saves lives. GPB's Leah Fleming speaking with Peter Dykstra and Sean Aurora. Peter is editor at Environmental Health News and Daily Climate. You can find his work at ehn.org and dailyclimate.org. Sean is director of the Candida Building for Innovative Sustainable Design at Georgia Tech. We're going to head into the break with music from the High Meadow School in Roswell. Second and third grade students collaborated with their music teachers to write a new song called Breakdown as part of the Climate Action Project. 
Stay with us for two CDC scientists turned pie champions as they put a twist on the traditional dessert everybody loves, pie. This is On Second Thought.